So I asked Kevin Malone from the office to give us that warning because we are dealing with a very difficult topic today. We are talking about emotional abuse. So for anyone who has trauma, for anyone who has dealt with this or any other reason why you might get triggered, I just wanted to let you know beforehand so that you can decide whether or not to listen or if you do find this difficult. Just be mindful of some of the topics and some of the discussion that we do have. Hello and welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast a place where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others while having some fun along the way. I had such a wonderful time interviewing my guest for today. She is a doctorate in counseling. She's a professor at Eastern New Mexico University in New Mexico, where she teaches a variety of public relations, interpersonal communication, writing, and public speaking courses. She's also a licensed therapist in both New Mexico and Texas, and has a small therapy and coaching practice. Dr. Janet Berkey. This is the first in a two-part series in which we are talking about emotional abuse. How exactly, (laughs) might be too much of a, a broad topic, but how would you kind of define emotional abuse? That is a really broad topic. And when you said you want to talk about it, I thought, okay, how many years do we have here to to talk about that? Um, Because this is such a deep topic and people feel so raw about it. Mm. Um, and, And like you said, a lot of people don't even recognize it as emotional abuse. You would be so surprised how many women I work with that as we begin talking about abusive patterns, not just domestic violence patterns, because those are fairly easy to pinpoint. But as we begin talking about the emotional abuse, it's like, oh, yeah, that is going on. And that is happening. So you ask how to define that. Um, And I think one of the things that you can really look at is when um, behavior is used, words are used, or actions, anything like that to help control you or to manipulate you, to get you to do what the other person wants you to do, and um, insisting that you go against your core values could be a sign of emotional abuse. Um, You know, poor behavior isn't necessarily emotional abuse. Now, it can be, but sometimes, sometimes people just don't know. Sometimes they just have poor patterns that have been put in place because of what they've seen. That's all they've seen. Um, Sometimes people are just abrasive. And while that's not good, that's not what we would call good manners in the South, but it's not necessarily abusive. Um, Mm. But when something, when someone is, 
when it's not consistent and the person, you know, is really making an effort to deal with that, to deal with that uh, emotional pattern or action, then you might have to ask yourself, is that truly abuse? And it may be. It may be. But that could be one of the, the things you want to look at. So that's why it's hard to define because you certain things could just be somebody's behavior or personality. And like, let's say you find an abrasive person with a sensitive person. The sensitive mm-hmm. person is saying, I, I feel like you're attacking me, but maybe that person's too sensitive. And then the abrasive person is too abrasive, but they're not, they're, it's not really emotional abuse or it could. Ah, that's so tricky. <laughs> it, it is tricky and it is hard. Um, but here are a couple of things that we could use to gauge that. And, and is it something to think about? Do we want to keep it in the relationship? There are highly sensitive people. We call them HSPs. And it really is a thing that they're aware of tone and rhythm and body language and even light and noise and and all of those kinds of things. But when we think about that and, and a person continually tells the offending person, the very abrasive person, we really need to deal with this. You're really hurting my feelings. I, I really feel that you're angry at me. And, and this is a pattern of behavior. And the offending person chooses not to even make an effort, that could be emotionally abusive, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the depth of that. So, um, you know, what what may upset me may not upset you. And what right. may upset you may not upset me. But that doesn't change our personal experience with that. And if we're in a relationship like a dating or, or marriage relationship where we're either looking at a future or we've committed to a future together and the other person has no more um, no more thought about what what may hurt us or what how how they can help us because if we approach it from a Christian perspective, and not everyone does, but even those who don't, you want a better relationship, certainly. Um and if the other person's not willing to at least say, yeah, maybe there's something here I need to be working on because I realize that it does hurt you and we can't go on this way, then maybe you can see some light at the end of the tunnel for it. Uh, and that's kind of one thing I was also curious. If people, sometimes people don't know they're being emotionally abusive because they have had, that's how they grew up and they don't know any better. So... Uh, so it's kind of like, do the emotional abusers know they're abusing and that's why it's emotional abuse? And the people who don't know, are they just damaged and trying the best that they can? I find that a difficult thing to balance where people, you know, that saying people are just working at the same, the level, the level of awareness that they know they're doing the best that they can. But then it's like, yeah, but they're also maybe abusive in some ways or they're they're actually not the best person that they could be. And I, I kind of had a hard time finding that balance, I guess, where you understand them, but you were also like, well, that's not right. <laughs> right, and then- right. And, and people do operate at the level we know. And that is such a great, a great outlook and, and giving people grace. 
But at some point, even when grace is extended, people have to take accountability for their actions. Mm. And when we know better, we should be willing to do better, especially for our partners or, or the people we hope to be our lifelong partner. Yeah. So we were talking about when someone wants someone to be their partner. And very often I find that women who are waking up to the idea that their partner is emotionally abusive to them may have very well watched the same types of things in their parents' relationship Mm -hmm. or watched their mother be treated a certain way. Or maybe the man has watched his father treat his mother and other women in his life um, in, in this way. So it, yeah, you know, a lot of it is is what we know. But then again, when we realize that we have not made the best decisions, where is our heart at there? And are we willing to make the effort to do better for both mm-hmm. of us, not just for the other person, but for both of us and, and the world around us? Right. Yeah. And that's where the generational you know, you're just following the patterns of your parents. And isn't there a verse in, in the Bible somewhere? It talks about the generational, I don't know if it's a generational curse that they call it, or there's a specific wording, but I always see it as you, you're just kind of living what you saw growing up and you don't right. know any better. But then if you, when you realize, if you're the person that does realize this is not right, you stop it at there. Like you stop it there. Right. And you're like, I'm not continuing in this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So to boil all of that down to what is emotional abuse, it can look different. Yeah. For probably just about everyone. But if you feel that the person is trying to control you, if you feel that they are manipulating you, if you feel that you can't be the person that you were designed to be, in their presence and to develop that life with them, then you really probably want to take another look at that. Is this really the relationship I want to be in? Because I'll never be who I was designed to be in this. Right. Without some change. Right. And if you feel like you're becoming a shell of the person you were Mm -hmm. because that person has made you feel unsafe. And actually, that's one thing I I kind of thought of emotional abuse or abuse in any way where you just don't feel safe with that person. If you're married to that person and they're coming home from work and you're like, oh, no, like you you get tense, you get nervous, you're just like kind of fearful of what will happen. Right, right. That's abuse where you just don't feel safe with that in that person's presence. Yeah. You know, are are you afraid to bring up certain subjects? Are mm-hmm. you afraid to um, ask questions right. such as, so how come you were late coming home from work today? If someone's late, that's, that's a good question. What kept you at work? You know, what, um, were you busy? Did you have something interesting or exciting going on? There's nothing necessarily inflammatory about how come you're late. That's just curiosity for a lot of people. But if it's going to lead to a situation um, where where you don't feel safe even asking those simple questions that people in relationships have a right to ask or that are generally included in those relationships, you might want to rethink that. 
Mm-hmm. Leslie Vernick, um, and we talked about the emotionally destructive marriage in our pre-conversation a few weeks ago, her book, which I recommend to, to everyone who, who thinks they may be dealing with this to get. But she talks about when um, someone degrades, diminishes, or destroys someone's personhood. And those three D's, degrading, diminishing, or destroying. And that goes back to, if I can't live the life I feel like I'm designed to live, if I can't ask simple questions and have conversations, whether it's around something simple or something more complicated, I really need to take a look at this. Also, one thing that I've noticed, I I know some people who refuse, they think that they're, they're, they're very proud. They think that they know everything and they think therapy is stupid. <laughs> and I, I see that as a type of abuse as well, because those relationships that I know that they're in are not good. And yet that person is like, well, no, I'm always right. And you, you dare not challenge me. You dare not say anything. Um, even though that, like, for example, this one woman I know, she studied childcare you know, um, her early childhood education. And her husband still thinks he knows everything, even though he didn't study anything about child rear child rearing. So when it came, comes to like, oh, the, the kids can feed themselves, you know, let them let them explore, let them feed themselves. And he's like, no, 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 you have to force it in their mouth. And he won't even listen to her, even though she has that knowledge. That is such a dangerous thing, because then he's oh. also not open to to saying, well, yeah, I don't know everything. And that relationship has become abusive in those ways. Absolutely. And, and you know, what does, yeah, what does the Bible say about stiff-necked people and rebellious, cold-hearted people? Mm. The scripture in Christ is calling us to change, not always necessarily from really heinous and bad things to good things, which it does. But also, where are we now that that we can get better walking this journey and walking this path that we're on? Um, and, and referring back to Leslie Vernick, and, and I just tell you, she's just this wealth of information. So I encourage all of your listeners to to look her up if they're dealing with this topic. But she also says that when it it, whatever it is, when it happens over and over again, despite someone's repeated protest, it is abusive and destructive. And in the case of uh, the folks you were talking about, for me to elevate um, my lack of knowledge above someone else's knowledge, (laughs) they have spent years studying and is backed by research, that's that could be a pretty dangerous place to be. Those kind of people are difficult to deal with for sure. Because when you yes. know everything, it's like, well, no. Yes, they are. Right, right. Or they always have a better way of doing everything. Again, which is not necessarily emotionally abusive, but certainly not a great behavioral pattern or relationship building skill for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I did, I have seen, and I had a family member who was like this, and they constantly put their spouse down. Now, whether it's in public or private, either way, it's it's abusive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he would constantly 
he was from the older generation. So I know maybe they, they weren't really aware of all the stuff that we are now, but he would constantly say, well, people said, uh, there was one thing he looked younger than his wife. So he loved to bring up the fact that, oh, well, yeah, they always ask me if I'm her son. And it's, it's like, that's, that's a really, first of all, that's a rude thing to say, but <laughs> why would you right. constantly bring that up? Why would you constantly <laughs> say that to other people and say that to your wife? Like, that's just no. yeah. <laughs> nothing hurtful about that. Right. <laughs> I mean, not to be too gender specific, and I think we're getting more and more aware um, for both sexes how we look and how we present ourselves. But yes, women generally have this thing about um, how we look as we age. And and so, yeah, and that's one of the things, you know, if if someone is continuing to call you pet names that hurt you. Mm-hmm. If they find it fun, but you don't find it fun or funny, that's not cool. Um, You know, if someone is constantly saying things like, well, you're just too sensitive. Well, maybe you are. and, And that's okay. Some folks are too sensitive. But there's a better approach to that, such as saying, dear, I want you to really think about this. Based on my other actions, do you really think that I would purposefully hurt you. And I am sorry that I did not. I'm sorry if I did, because the person's already told them they've hurt them, but you know, to approach it gently and, and say, could we talk about this? Can we process through this? Not simply saying, well, you're just too sensitive and you get upset. I can't do anything right. That kind of thing. That's, that's pretty dysfunctional to reply that way. Um, again, we've talked about if questioning, asking a simple question or a more complicated question leads to this huge blow up. Right. Um, and as you were talking about making fun of you in front of others, mm-hmm. and that could be poor humor. It can be um, it, a sign of disrespect. People may think they're being funny, but The truth is, if it embarrasses you at all, even if you laugh it off, and women are great at doing this, just laughing it off and and kind of moving on. But that's a jab. Yeah. And and that's emotionally abusive. We, We don't treat people that we love and we want to support. We just don't purposefully treat them that way. Now, again, sometimes... We make mistakes. We all have shortcomings. None of us are perfect. We are going to upset our spouse in one way or another, probably on a daily basis. (laughs) But what is our reaction to that? And not just our reaction, but what is our action following that? For instance, a lot of times abusive folks can have this experience of catharsis where maybe they weep and they wail and they're sorry for their actions and promise to never do them again. But one of the things we have to remember is that catharsis does not equal repentance Mm. or a change in behavior. 
And when you hear things like, well, he said he was sorry. Well, yeah, I'm sure he probably was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that. I, I don't have any doubt of that. But what are the following actions? And um, whether that's therapy or some type of coaching, which that is a whole other topic in itself. <laughs> Just do your homework um, in, in both of those areas is all I will say about that right now. Um, you know, whether it's that, whether it's having some type of accountability partner. Um, but again, not only do we repent, do we make amends, but what's our next step in making that better to do our best to make sure that doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. And apologizing is not just, I, <laughs> I remember thinking this was apologies because I would get it all the time. Well, I'm sorry you felt that way or you took it that way. That's not an apology because <laughs> you're not acknowledging yeah. that other person was actually hurt. Right. right. All, all they're saying is, I'm sorry that you have this flaw that you can't see the truth of what I was right. trying to do. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is a non-apology. We can even say, I am so sorry that I came across that way. That was not the intent Mm -hmm. of my heart or my attitude or my perspective. And I realize I hurt you, even though I didn't mean to. I'm sorry I um, did this and it it caused anger to build up in you, you know, which is a whole other topic. Just because we do something and someone gets angry doesn't mean we were in the wrong. But... um, you know, I, I'm sorry I did this thing, but it was not my intent mm-hmm. to hurt you. And and let's see what we can do to make things better. Yeah, I've had to do a lot of those because I, <laughs> I sometimes don't have a filter or like before I had no self-awareness of what I was saying. And then I would just say things. And then the person was like, oh, you hurt me. And I didn't realize. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I was I was trying to be funny or something. I don't know. But I've had a lot of All right. Things. What do you mean I hurt you? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you know, the hurt is on the other end. Mm-hmm. And if we want to be with that person, whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship, we need to check. Are, are we willing to work through that? Yeah. Do you remember the TV show Home Improvement? I do. Loved okay. it. Never missed it. Me too. That was like my favorite show. Right. <laughs> and I remember Tim was always in trouble uh, because he was so lacking in awareness of how his actions and words were affecting his wife and affecting, or sometimes he would be sexist and not really understand. And there was one time where he, on his show Tool Time, which was his show on Home Improvement, he said something about he was joking around about how she drooled in her sleep and she and she was horrified and he came home and he didn't understand why she was so embarrassed. And he goes, we joke about it all the time. She goes, that's a joke between you and me. You went right. on TV and told right. people. Now, I loved in the show because he would always come to this understanding, especially after talking to his neighbor, Wilson, about why that was wrong. And um, I mean, I kind of felt bad in the sense that he was always in the wrong and she was always right. And I'm like, well, it's not always yeah. men that are wrong. I kind of felt bad for him, but it was funny. But it, and that's the thing with sitcoms, right? They're always a happy ending. Right. And, but it kind of made you look at things like, oh, okay. Well, sometimes we are stupid and say things. We don't really realize it. But the 
what we need to do is come to that understanding, apologize and, and reconnect or make amends. Absolutely. And I always appreciated that. Like, that's why we love sitcoms, right? Because right. there's that happy ending. So they do. We could use a few more, couldn't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, actually, one thing I wanted to ask you also with regards, so this isn't really a Christian podcast, but I do bring up, you know, being in the church and, and being a Christian. I have had those I think it was about 10 years ago, I was at university and there was somebody I knew who was dealing with a, an emotionally abusive relationship. And mm -hmm. I was talking to different friends and I felt kind of like I had to explain all these different scenarios because the only reason for the divorce or uh, talking about divorce, like, oh, should, should she leave the marriage was basically, well, she's not being hit. She's not physically being hurt. And I felt like I had to justify why it was a bad relationship with all these examples. And people would say, well, I don't know. That's not really that bad. Or, <laughs> And so I think in the Christian world, sometimes we can not look at those as bad things. Or we have this misunderstanding of the Bible where, well, the man's in charge, so the woman just has to li has to listen to him. And that's one thing I, I kind of take issue with a lot of times in the church where I'm like, no, you don't just get to dismiss the woman. You don't just get to <laughs> say, well, the man's in charge. And so, and I, I, I have friends who have been scared to get a divorce because of, and still to this day, that fear in the church where if the woman leaves, well, she's, she's wrong. And do you see a change from your point of view in the church where, where we're coming to an understanding that, that this kind of emotional abuse in relationships is wrong? I hope we are. Me too. <laughs> I, I hope we are. Um, I will tell you that most of the women that I have worked with in this area have come from marriages that they say are Christian marriages. And that is, oh gosh, I, I can't even tell you about how, um, how I feel about that being a mark of, of a Christian marriage because it's not, it, and it shouldn't be a mark of any marriage. Mm -hmm. So let me, um, could I back up to one of the things that you said um, that this is one of the things that I really encourage anyone who is um, working through things in a relationship and honestly, anyone working through anything, but especially in a relationship be very, very careful of who you share your details with. Mm. And there are a couple of reasons for that. And when, when I teach on grief, I teach the same concept that, first of all, not everyone is worthy of our trust. Not everyone is worthy to handle um, the burdens that we bear. They may not be equipped to do that. They may be our friend. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're equipped to deal with this certain thing. For instance, I wouldn't take my dog to my primary uh, physician. <laughs> you know, maybe they'd have some good things to say, and I certainly wouldn't go to my dog's vet. Um, there are some commonalities there, but 
they each have their specialties. They know what they're looking for and what to be aware of. So not everyone is trustworthy. Um, Not everyone is designed to give us what we need. And here's the thing. What you said a while ago about we operate at at the level that we know, Mm -hmm. people around us only can operate at the level they know. If they don't know any better, if they haven't studied certain concepts or understand how to make a relationship better or how to get out of this, all they're going to do is tell you out of their own experience. And one thing I've learned is that what may work for someone else may not necessarily work for me. And that that doesn't mean that I'm defective or something's wrong with me. All that means is it just doesn't work for me. I need to find a different way. Mm. So just keeping in mind some things like that, um, you know, if you have a, a great therapist or coach that you can just bury your heart to that has that level of confidentiality, then you don't have to worry about it going anywhere else. You know, if your friendship ever dissolves, do your secrets get told with that person? And one one final thing that I would add in that little piece is that um, if I have an argument with my husband and I go tell my best friend, can you believe what he did? You know, and I made or, or him doing the same thing. Um, you know, that may have just been something that's just like, oh, mercy. You know, that every couple kind of has their, oh, my goodness, moments. You know, that's just the way relationships are. But if I go and even or he goes or whoever goes and and we're just kind of venting, that other person is protective of us. And long after we have forgotten that incident, because truly it may have been very, very minor. It just stood out to us in the moment. Our friend remembers that. And they're still very, very protective. And now we have put something between our friend and our spouse Mm -hmm. that need not be there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then it also, yeah, because it does make that person start to resent your spouse. And then they're like, oh, and then they'll remember everything. And well, you, he did this and this and this. He is not good for you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if our viewers could see you doing the little head shake thing, yeah, that is just not good for you. Um, yeah, when in fact, that may be exactly the person you need to be with. And maybe we need to go back and look at that situation and go, so why did that trigger us so much? Why did I get so worked up over that? Maybe there needs to be a change on my part. Not mm-hmm. always, but but possibly. I think it's so easy. And I, I do that too. Something will happen and I'll go tell my best friend. I'm like, oh, so-and-so did this to me. <laughs> no, she's really good. She's very level-headed, which I need. Right. So she'll be like, well, you know, it's okay. It wasn't that bad. Or, you know, she'll, she'll kind of calm me down in a sense because I have always been a very emotional person. Now I'm working on it. I'm a lot less than I used to be. But she'll help me see, come on, you know. And so I'll be like, okay, thank you for showing me that because I just need to chill out um, right yeah I mean it would be something really stupid right um, but sometimes I'm thinking well oh shoot she will probably not like this person that I keep talking about you know <laughs> <laughs> I hope they never meet you're right <laughs> <laughs> what kind of effects do you see emotional abuse has on a person oh my goodness it, it, the the ranges are vast um 
anxiety, high anxiety, um, trying to uh, say, well, it wasn't that bad, you know, it was okay. Um, sometimes repeated patterns of seeing where we were wrong. And I, I'm all about self-examination. You know, that is a great thing that all of us should be doing. Uh, but that doesn't alleviate the responsibility from the other person, no matter how much I self-examine. So we can have anxiety. Um, we can have a, a lack of self-care. Mm. A lack of, for instance, if your partner says, well, I saw so-and-so looking at you and you enjoyed that too much. Well, maybe all of a sudden, then that person is not showering or brushing their hair, putting on their makeup, clothes, or the male equivalent, you know, whatever that might look like. Um, trying to lessen their own physical attractiveness just so we won't have that conversation again. Um, so there are lots of things. You can have poor sleep, poor dietary habits, poor exercising, lack of ability to concentrate and really focus, lack of ability to just make sane and sound decisions mm -hmm. and to, to even question the decisions you are able to make to ruminate over those things. So there are uh, just about any type of a poor behavioral outcome could could fit into this easily. Mm -hmm. I would imagine somebody would question themselves a lot more if they're mm. constantly being told like you're wrong or you know being manipulated. They would start to just think that they're they're no good and that they just don't make good decisions and all those kind of things. It's oh, I can't. I can't imagine. That's just awful. <laughs> it can really do a number on a person's emotional soul. Yep. Mm. What? Because I know gaslighting is a big, whenever I look up emotional abuse, gaslighting is, is one of the, the signs. Can you explain what gaslighting is? Gaslighting, um, it actually is a term that's thrown around quite a bit, mm. and it comes from a movie, I believe it was back in the 30s or 40s, I think. Yes. In fact, I just watched it a, a year or so ago, and it was like, oh, this is so fascinating where the term came from. And um, a long story short, a woman marries a man, and he basically wants to drive her crazy. So he does all these things, and she hears sounds and people walking around in the attic. And he says, oh, no, there's nothing going on. So bottom line is, if you know in your heart something is going on, and they, or something is the way it is, and the other person keeps telling you, oh, no, that's not, that's not right. Um, that's not what I meant. Um, you're just reading that wrong. And, and you're beginning to really question, well, maybe, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe, maybe he doesn't mean that or she, and, and I keep saying he, but, but it could easily be reversed to the other. <laughs> I think of men um, things. <laughs> you know, that's, that's an indication that you may be being gaslit. Hmm. Actually, I, re I saw that movie a few years ago, and I remember Angela Lansbury played the maid. <laughs> yes. And I was so, because I remember her from Murder, She Wrote, and right. it was weird 
you know when it's weird seeing somebody young? Yes. And you're like, Angela Lansbury was young. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We were we were all young once. Um, don't, don't let anybody fool you. <laughs> but but in the end, to really cause you to question your own experience. Mm-hmm. Because you know what you experienced. Yeah. Or if, uh, and I had this happen to me with a, a guy I dated. <laughs> he would say something. And then I, I'm pretty good at remembering things. For some reason, I remember the weirdest things. And I would say back to him a few months later, oh, remember when you said this? He goes, I didn't say that. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was going crazy because I was like, well, mm-hmm. what? No, you did. But I would just, I was very, I would just go along with whatever people wanted. And so he was very manipulative in that way. So yeah, trying to make you think that you didn't, you did or didn't do something or they did or didn't do something as well, even though you remember it that way. Right, right. That your experience really did not happen. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I saw that movie and I told my friend and she goes, you know, that's a psychological or yeah, that's a psychological term. And it comes from that movie. And I was like, right. Oh, really? I didn't know that. (laughs) So interesting. It is. Yeah. I encourage everybody to watch that movie. It's yeah, it's really good. Do you know there it's, it's interesting when you see people who will say, well, just leave. If you're in in an abusive relationship, just leave. And it's it's so easy to say, and I know I've said it to people because yeah. you just can't imagine why why would you be in that relationship? But it's not so easy. So why do you think people stay with abusers? I know there's a variety of reasons, but yeah. from your experience of what you've you've worked with people or what you know, what do you think? Why this it, there are so many reasons. Um, a lot of times, people just don't know that it can be any different. Again, if that's all they've seen, if their if their home, uh, their family of origin operated the same way, then they just think this is just how families work. This is the best I can hope for. Even if inside, I think I wonder if something's missing here, you know, or something needs to be changed. And and here's the thing: a lot. Um, and again, I, I work mostly with women. There's always kind of that check in their spirit that they don't know exactly. And when I say spirit, I, I mean inside of us, you know, in our mm-hmm. our emotional makeup, um, that there's just something that they know isn't quite right, even if they don't know what that is yet. And so I think people can stay because they may just not know it can be any different. Mm. Maybe they think that what they do know is more comfortable than what they don't know. For instance, this is the reason that a lot of people stay in a life of addiction. They have support. Whether they really like it or not, they know what to expect for the most part. Um, you know, every every day they, they get up and live their life, even if it's dysfunctional. The, the, the known is much more comfortable than an unknown, mm. even if the unknown promises so much more. Right. Because there are a lot of things to be taken into that. A lot of people stay for the kids thinking it will be better for the children. Hmm. Um, people stay for financial support. They stay for status. They stay for religious reasons. And if you look at 
certain demographics where um, we've had the typical husband earn the bulk of the living and and the wife or the financial status and the wife has stayed at home being the caretaker, then she may wonder, how will I even support myself? Mm-hmm. Depending on how this plays out, I, I may lose my home. I may lose um, my car. I, depending on how many resources the other person has, they may wonder, will I lose my children? So there are, there are just so many things wrapped up in this. And sometimes people are just tired. Mm. They just don't know. <laughs> do, do I have the strength to even bother to do this? True. Yeah, I, I kind of had to, to giggle a bit when you said for religious reasons, just because I do watch a lot of true crime. And <laughs> it is amusing when you see some of the people who can't get a divorce or they won't get a divorce because they'll be shunned in the religious community and yet they commit murder. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get it. There's unfortunately, yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to chat over you there. Unfortunately, I feel like we've presented in the church that divorce is the unpardonable sin, you yeah. know, Go murder, and you can you can be revived and enter into this fabulous spiritual relationship. But don't you dare commit divorce. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that is changing. Um, that we are looking at people with more grace and realizing there are a whole lot of things at play here. Here's the thing: most people don't marry thinking. Yeah, if this doesn't work out, I can get divorced. Most people really don't because most people want that partner with them and to have a satisfying and fruitful relationship for them as individuals and them together. So, you know, when we when we think about divorce being a very simple process, it's not. In fact, I just ran across a book last night um, that I need to read something about what I wish I had known before my divorce mm. or if I, something about if I had known this, I would have stayed married. Or, you know? And I don't want that to be an excuse for people to stay in a bad relationship. But my point is, is that divorce is not an easy way out. It's just yeah. not. And we need to have grace and compassion because I can about guarantee you things were going on that people did not see. Right. Well, I worked in a, I was a legal assistant for about a year. <laughs> I worked mm-hmm. in family law. And man, oh man, that is not fun. There's crazy people uh, that were like <laughs> talking their ex and like calling the lawyer every time and just stuff like that. But the amount of work, the amount of money, like you have to split the house and sell it and just like all this. Yeah, it's complicated. It is not fun. (laughs) So I can understand the amount of work that goes into a divorce. That's also why it keeps people staying just in a really terrible relationship because they don't know what to expect. And then if that spouse has a lot of power, uh, you know, I spoke to somebody who was married to a divorce lawyer and she got divorced from him. Well, I mean, that's terrifying, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he knows all about divorces. I cannot even divorce. imagine. Right. Oh, yeah. Actually, there's 
Mm-hmm. I was curious when we were just talking about the the influence kind of what people in the church have and the church has over it. There's a lot of emotional abuse from the church itself and its leaders. Correct. Um, What I will say is that if your leadership in your church is dysfunctional, (laughs) they're going to give you dysfunctional guidance and mentorship (laughs) in your relationships or, or your spiritual life or anything else. You don't get good fruit from bad fruit. Right. And and yeah, if you, you know, we could take these very same things. I, I said I wasn't prepared to talk about it. But the truth is, if we took these very same things that we have been talking about and applied it to the church, we could easily say that is emotionally abusive. Now, I firmly believe, and this is not, um, this is probably becoming less of a popular opinion. I firmly believe that, um, that we can find great grace and people to journey with us in the church. I don't know that that's always easy to find Mm -hmm. from my experience and from talking to other people. I do believe that's the way it was designed. I believe it was designed to be a hospital for healing, not a place (laughs) where I go Mm -hmm. and I am uh, told everything that I need to do. Again, am I manipulated? Am I feeling controlled? Now, should I teach children Sunday school because no one else will step up? There may be a time to do that. There may be a time to do the things we don't want to do. Just like in a relationship, we do things we don't want to do for the true betterment and the true healing and satisfaction of the relationship, Mm -hmm. not just to appease someone else. So, yeah, you know, there may be things that we don't want to do for a season. Are we probably going to do those things forever? I, I personally right now off the cuff would have to say probably not. Um, and if you know for sure, I am not good with kids. I do not enjoy kids. I, I, I want to look at them from afar. They make me anxious. They make me antsy. You know, I'd really consider that before I allowed someone else to talk me into right to doing that role, whatever that is. Um, so I, I think that's a fine balance between what we're called to and what needs to be done. I'm not necessarily called to vacuuming the rug in my living room, <laughs> but I do it because it has to be done. <laughs> or, but I, I also don't feel controlled or if the rug doesn't get vacuumed, is my husband going to say, you know, someone needs to vacuum that rug and um, you're here most of the day, you're working from home and um, you know, you really ought to think about vacuuming that rug. So again, there's a fine balance between being called and what's needed, Mm -hmm. Um, but we should not feel controlled and manipulated and have this sense of someone constantly against our repeated protest (laughs) doing these things to us. So yeah, that's a deep, deep, deep conversation to have, but maybe that gives a little insight into the topic. Or, and actually was just talking to a friend about this, is that actually emotional abuse or is that just spiritual abuse is spiritual abuse basically emotional abuse but using spiritual things like Ooh, that yeah because <laughs> it's all manipulation yeah uh, i actually have an example of what you were just referring to 
this one church I went to, it was a little bit of a cultish vibe to it. And they were, they were manipulating people and telling people what to do. And the pastor, you know, is like kind of, kind of saying, you guys need to do this and you need to help out. And, but making it like he was too above anything and we all need to do things, which, okay, I, I get the work, the church has to work together. And I, I wasn't comfortable necessarily in the, the role that I took on in like the library bookstore they had, but I felt pushed into it and like, kind of like God's making you, you have to do this for God, but I didn't enjoy it. Whereas I went to a different church and I'm not necessarily one that likes the nursery unless it's the babies, but older kids. eh. And so, but they really needed help. So I said, okay, like I will help out if you need me. They didn't manipulate me in that way. They just were like, we're in desperate need. Would you consider it? And so that's the difference where I felt like I can help out because I'm available, but I'm not necessarily the best. And it's not, you know, it's only for a time or two. Whereas like God is saying you should be doing this because the pastor's telling you to do that. Yeah. And and I think that opens up a couple of really great points that maybe we can help gauge that. First of all, is the leadership, look at what's being asked in context of how the leadership generally operates. Because they may just say, um, you know, right now, I, I know this is something you really don't care to do. And if you say no, I will totally respect that. But let me share with you that I really need you right here in this position because, and then they give you a good, valid reason that sits well with you, that you may still say, I'll do that for a year. I can't commit to any longer than that. You may not even love it, but you understand. Again, we all have to vacuum the rug whether we want to or not, right? And that's what you were talking about Um The church has to run and it has to have people doing all kinds of jobs, whether they feel called to that or not, or or love doing it. You know, I'm sure, honestly, there were lots of things Jesus didn't love doing. I I just got to say, I'm reading the New Testament. I'm just kind of feeling that way. At the same time, if you say no, if you do say, I understand what you're saying, but I just can't. I, you know, going back to that, can I still be the person <laughs> that that I was designed to be and, and still do this thing I don't want to do? Um, if you say, I, I've thought about what you said, I, I've prayed about it, whatever your process is there. And I'm sorry, I just can't. Will the relationship still stay in contact or stay connected? Mm, right. Or is every time they look at you, you know, now you've caused this big disruption and now we have this elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. So so this may be a couple of ways, um, you know, that you can approach it. Looking at, at their behavior in total context, knowing the heart of the person, and then will the relationship still stay intact if I say no? Mm-hmm. Can I say no with freedom? Yeah, that's true. That's good. You explain it so well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Everything that we've talked about here today, someone else can say, well, what about 
And, and a lot of times, you know, if you come from a Christian perspective, and here's the thing, just about everything we've talked about today can be applied to anyone, whatever perspective they're coming from. Mm-hmm. But what, what I would like to encourage you to do, um, because I even do this in preparing, I think, well, you know, what about, because we, if we look hard enough, we can always find the antithesis to whatever we're talking about. We yeah. can always do that because we're processors and thinkers and creative people. And our world has taught us to do that in many ways. Um, but, but to look and look for the truth of the situation. Even if the things that we've talked about today don't exactly apply to you, think about, is there any truth in this? And how can I use that? And how can I incorporate that into my life to help me make a better decision? Mm -hmm. I always hope that I will take in what I need and pitch the rest, you know, that the rest doesn't even register with me. Um, As a Christian, that's my prayer. But I I think we can all look for that in our lives that, you know, we need the truth. And if it's not truth and it's not good for us, then we need to dismiss that. And then there's one final thing that I would like to encourage anyone who has listened to this and they've thought, well, you know, I, I, I didn't know all this was emotional abuse. I, I, I knew something wasn't quite right, but I, I didn't know. What I would encourage you to do is, number one, think about your safety. Are you physically, you, you and your children, whoever is in the home, are you physically safe? At right now, that needs to be your number one question. Mm-hmm. And if you are not, and you are considering leaving the home or leaving the relationship to learn what it means to leave safely. And so, again, going back to women, but this could be men because there are a lot of women batterers or physical um, physical and emotional abusers and controllers and manipulators out there. We just don't talk about them a whole lot. Right. <laughs> but if you feel the need to leave the situation, um, there are a few things that I, I suggest that, that will help. First of all, know where your keys are at all times. If you have to make a quick exit, um, carry your keys in your pocket, carry them um, in your undergarments, kind of wherever you feel that you can safely get into that vehicle and leave because um, a lot of our newer cars, we don't even need a key. We just have to carry that fob. So we we don't have to mess with that. Um, And along with that car, make sure you always have gas in your car. There are times that I run mine really low. Um, but if I was in a situation where I thought I need to get out of here quickly, I would make sure it never got below a certain point. And I would need to decide what that would be for myself. Um, I would always wear shoes on my feet. The only place I wouldn't wear shoes would probably be to bed in case I needed to get away quickly. Now we're talking about worst case scenario for safety. Um, start finding a place to hide some cash. Because if it's a situation like this, your spouse may cut off your credit and debit cards. Have some cash to get a hotel room or to get wherever you need to go for food, gas, medicine, those types of things. Keep your medicine filled. Mm. Keep some clothes, either 
you know, put somewhere in the closet in a special place. Um, keep some at your friends that you can trust wherever and, and have a plan. Start thinking of a plan before this happens. If I have to get out of here, how am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Keep that in the back of your mind. And that's not borrowing trouble from tomorrow, but that is keeping yourself safe. And it's taking responsibility and practicing good self-care as you can until you get a better plan made. You know, if you have more time and people aren't being um, uh, emotionally destroyed or, or physically hurt in your home, you may have more time than this. But sometimes one of the problems they see in domestic shelters is a lot of times when women or men leave, they leave with the clothes on their back. And that's all they have. And there's no plan. There's no cash. And this is one of the reasons that people may go back to the abuser because they have no plan. They have nothing else. They haven't been preparing for a safe exit. So I, I think that was, um, I, I, and, and if you decide to reconcile, make sure you have proof of change before mm. you reconcile. Remember, catharsis does not equal change. I say that all the time. Every time I teach a, an interpersonal class, catharsis does not equal change. Wow. That is so good. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. It has been such a joy to talk about such a hard topic. Yes. And you you speak so well. You have such an understanding and such grace and compassion. I I would love mm. to come to you for therapy. <laughs> Well, Stephanie, I, I don't do much therapy over the, the state lines um, because <laughs> I, I'm only licensed in two states, but there is a lot of coaching that people can do in this area. And if anyone's interested, um, I can shoot you my email and they could just email me about this. If, they're, if they have any questions, even we get on the phone a few minutes and chat about. Um, I work with a lot of women who are in the process of, do I stay or do I leave? Mm. And I don't tell them they make that decision, but they get some good tools and thought processes going. Right. So yeah, if I can help, if you want any more information, just, you know, I'll give you that info and just give me a holler. We'll see what All we right. can do. Dr. Janet Berkey. Thank you, Dr. Berkey, for coming on. It was such a wonderful conversation. It was just very easy talking with you and um, I really enjoyed it. You can join Dr. Berkey's Facebook group. Facebook page called Happy Marriages. She does not have a website right now, uh, but if you have any further questions or need to reach out to her, she can be reached uh, in two different places. You can contact her at janet.berkey at enmu.edu, or you can email her at janetberkey at gmail.com. Berkey is spelled B-I-R-K-E-Y. I will put her contact information and links on social media. Thanks for tuning in to the Stuff Up Podcast. You can email me at stuffuppodcast at gmail.com. Check me out on social media, Stuff Up Podcast on Facebook, Stuff Up underscore podcast on Instagram, and check out my website at www.stuffuppodcast.com. You are amazing. So go out there and make it a great day. Bye.